Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ask people gonna find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far up their mouths that this is bullshit. You know? I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in and just smack the pull back, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did travel some humongous ways. Oh, that's the paper thing? Oh, surf looks good on it. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! <laughs> Get a haircut. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys. Welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show and TV show dedicated to cutting fucking sick. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award-winning <laughs> surf journalist, Scum Valley's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. And I'm joined here, as always, <laughs> by my loyal... Oh, I didn't even introduce yeah. myself. Smeavy. Smeavy. <laughs> Fuck, something always goes wrong. <laughs> I'm joined here, as always, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World Magazine, Waves Magazine, Tracks Magazine, Vaughn Corn. Deadly, welcome to the program. Are you excited, Vaughn? Mate, I have got that much froth <laughs> going on. I've got veins sticking out of me temple, and I'm about to let rip and maybe even bust a little nug, because we have got <laughs> the power, the passion, the grunt. Of a very special guest on the show tonight. That's right. Let's uh, welcome him on. He was a world tour icon in a golden age of competitive surfing. He went searching with Tom Curran before he had pubes, cut clean lines alongside AI at J-Bay, locked horns with the goat and doused himself in piss with Eugene Fenning. Renowned <laughs> for his hectic frontside hack attack and big steez in heaving Pacific orbs. Please welcome to Ain't That Swell, the core lord, comeback, kingpin, Nathan Hog Hedge. Yeah, thanks, boys. Hoggy. Welcome, mate. Welcome to the show. This is a real pleasure. Mate, thanks for the invite. Stoked to come to the Stabbing Cabin. Mm. Yeah, it has been a Stabbing Cabin back here <laughs> on a number of occasions, although, uh, yeah, I haven't been doing too much Stabbing out here, mate. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, stoked to come down. Good to catch up, boys. Good mm. to see you, mate. Mm. What's news in the world of Hog? Mate, um, just been trying to get my gills wet where I can and... Yeah, coming through, actually had a knee surgery probably about two months ago, so just been getting back on the board and sort of, you know, just got the gratitude levels back up, it's been in the ocean and, yeah, just trying to, yeah, weather the storm, really, the current, current way of the world. Mm. Mm. Uh, we were chatting just before we, we kicked off the show, Hoggy, about the uh, the big swells that uh, saw us through that initial COVID period and uh, you got a couple of monstro cones. On the uh, at the home break or, or just down at the little secret beach <laughs> that no one knows about down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, thick wave. I mean, uh, how how does it rate? You know, Southie when it's really on and it, it's big and it's east and it, it's doing what it did on that. You know, those early swells because you got a couple of heavers, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it sort of reminiscent or it reminds me of Hossigor over in France. It's the way it smashes on the sand and comes out of thick water like you hear of the trench out there on, on um Lenord or um Le Gravier mm. sort of along, along you, that stretch. Plenty of trench out Lenord, haven't you, Smithy? Uh what kind of trench are we talking well, about? Well you know I'm just plenty of trench. Yeah. Trench going Smithy. Deep trench. Deep oh, trench mate. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> trench goer. <laughs> trench dweller. <laughs> trench the whole trench and nothing but the trench. 
Um, yeah, so uh, just big, you know, big sort yeah. of unfiltered swell. Just just thick and raw and yeah. just when it hits the bank, it just unloads. Uh, and You're um, just like a, a truffle pig, aren't you? Just oh, let loose in a field of I think, uh, um, fungi. Yeah, it's just some. I, I think like because we used to fish out there too. There's a couple of bombies, and it just for some reason um, apexes up and um, mm. gives a really nice angle on that stretch of the beach. And I know I always remember growing up, it was sort of more just the east swells, but this year it was handling south swells too, so it was weird. Mm. You know, so it's normally like a bit That's more right. of a close out, sort of a long funneling right. It's good for photos, but yeah. mostly close outs. Yeah. But this Honorati's year, licking his lips and yeah, no one exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just getting the shot, the old Kodak Curry. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, this, finest. yeah, mm. this year um, it was good on the south, and um, I was lucky enough between you know travel restrictions and trying to juggle everything that um, I got to sneak into a couple during those bit better days. Yeah, just I uh, got to give a shout out to Kobe Clements who packed up. Romper Smivy on that swell, battled it too, yeah. right? In amongst the step offs and whatnots. Mm. Yeah, I mean that wave looked like um, like an over an Indo or something, didn't mm. it? Hey, didn't it? Was it? So clean that 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 one left we're talking about. Had yeah, that one. Wave. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah, same, same wave. one for sure. Um, yeah, but, but you uh, you had a good crew out there, mate. Just uh, you know, but I guess on days like that uh, when we were groms growing up, yeah. you know, just down the beach from each other, uh, there was only yeah. ever a handful of guys who really <laughs> had a crack at those sorts of days, and yeah. now there's a, a heap of crew, and it's 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 uh, non ageist. Like you got crew out there, like you know Granger and Gribble, and um, mm. you know kind of older guys who who were doing a lot of tow around the area, and then the Mexicano boys are out there often, uh, Kizzer and that, and then uh, yourself, and but then yeah, this this next gen, the Geordie Lawlers, and then well, how old's uh, how old is Kobe Clements? He must be sort of near an eighteen now, wouldn't he? Oh, I'd say he'd be around there, eh? Mm. Yeah, I'd say he'd be around 18 it's or 19. It's a good vibe in the water, right though, up isn't it? Tommy Carroll, yeah. even Tommy's packing yeah. a couple out there. Tommy got the call up, come down from Av. Yeah, he um, he was just like so good to watch out there. Um, it was around the time of the morning that we'd heard that Derek Ho passed away. Mm. And um, Tom had just got off the phone to Kelly and he said, look, I've got some sad news. And we just figured, look, we'd dedicate that swell on that particular session to Derek and um, the waves were going to come and on his memory we said like a little prayer and had like a meditation out of the, the water and you could see Tom just kind of come into his own and a couple of bigger waves came that kind of were like second reef reminiscent and he kind of was coming off, come off the this, this ski and was like snapping back and fading and it's just classic Tommy. Right. Did he did he sneak and up under you on the wave of the day? It was you paddling for one. He just got up underneath you, knifed it in like the uh, yeah, classic classic T.C. You going? What do you reckon? What are you going? We going? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. outrageous though? You, like you know, we lose uh, you know one of the uncles, one of the true tribal elders of surfing, yeah. and, and and his great uh, you know combatant. In Tommy Carroll gets gets a pipe swell just down the road from his home, bro. That's cosmic. Yeah, it was um, yeah, pretty eerie and just yeah, you could just see Tom really just went to another level and obviously that respect and the um the love he had for Derek, he kind of brought it onto that session and a couple of the waves were just that had that different look about them. They came mm. to Tom, and it's kind of hard to not think that um. You know, Derek had a part to play in that that morning. It was it was pretty sick to witness. Fuck, that's cool. Yeah. Man. And talk to us about Tommy surfing. I mean, at his age, like riding serious, you know, hollow waves of consequence. How inspiring is that? Oh, mate, he's such an inspiration. I mean, he just yeah, he done everything in the in the water and as far as the sport goes. And then you know, just how he holds himself now. He's just 
yeah, he just really connect with Tom a lot better. And, um, you know, he's just got like a real presence about him. He always has, I guess, but even more so now. He's just got all that wisdom and um, just holds the, holds the space really well mm. and um, just seems to connect. He knows sort of – we have a little bit of a joke. Um, it's kind of like slows the new fast. Tommy the turtle, he just sort of <laughs> – <laughs> he's, eases into things and, you know, he's, he's like a cat. He just cruises and then, bam, you know, he's Yeah, on. I was going to say that. It's like, you know, yeah. I know that you two uh, do a lot of meditation. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, inner work happening there. It's real conscious stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, you're it's, right, Vaughn. It's, it's deciding yeah. how to be rather than letting your emotions and the passion and the froth take over. But, mate, you two on a, on an eight-foot, <laughs> ten-foot day <laughs> in huge tubing, let's fuck off. You two are going to froth out. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's, it's like the one person who can out-froth. Tommy Carroll is the yeah. sitting with us. Yeah, Must have looked like a heavy. cappuccino out there with you two mad dogs it's, paddling around each other. It's pretty heavy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's always in there, and it doesn't. It's always just bubbling up, bubbling mm. under the surface. Doesn't take much to kind of get the needle. <laughs> you know, so it's about well, trying I to. It, um, I don't know if I could yeah. honestly take your surfing seriously if you didn't have a vein popping out of your forehead. Oh, somewhere. exactly. Yeah, I've got a couple going right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's always a vein or two popping out. It's it's, it's um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, I get up in the mornings, do the meditation with Tom, and uh, we've we've towed a lot of swellings in into that, mm. and it's it's just so good for you, mate. Like yeah, yeah, it's been a, a full credit to you guys, not just for finding that and uh, exploring that that pathway within yourself, knowing that you need it, but bringing other people in on it, mate. Like you know, like Smithy and I are always talking about things that have uh, helped us through. Uh, mental anguish or tough times or, or just the betterment of your own life and, and you two are really like leading the way and showing people that it can be done with really simple steps too thanks for that yeah it's just you know it's um i like that sort of nothing outside of us like it just comes back to us and it's, it seems like attainable you know you can't mm. go live in an ashram or a cave somewhere it's like there's just some tools that um for modern day living you know it's um something that revolves around the ocean and I think that's what surfing gives us too, like essentially waiting for waves or riding a wave. You're so present, you're in the moment mm. that, you know, you're not back and you're not forward for that little bit of time. You're actually right where you need to be just in that moment. So I think that's sort of, you know, what surfing gives us and um, any little top-ups you can get when you're out of the water, it's got to be a bonus, right? Because mm. we're getting so much input these days. The nervous system's just getting so overloaded. Mm. Anything to um, bring us back to like a recalibration and just to sort of, you know, get back to what's what's happening right now has got to be gold, right? Mm, 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 Definitely. Mm. Now, I did also see your lemon spread pop up on the Idiot Box, Hog, uh, on the new Rival series, mate. You're going yeah. nerd at that, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, it was a good good episode, that one. Yeah, I reckon it was uh, one of my favourites. I think, uh, I've got to say, that was probably the, the best surfing I saw in the series. Um, you know, just in terms of just on-rail, speed, precision, aggression, uh, a lot of the other quality episodes for mine were, you know, it's hollow waves, which are pretty, you know, for guys of your level, it's it's pretty kind of run-of-the-mill stuff, packing cones, packing four, six-foot cones. Mm. But um, that was like CT-level surfing. What did you uh, make of that Rivals experience? Well, I think, like, you know, having – you guys know some of my journey. Like, I had seven years on the tour and I achieved a lot, but I kind of then had to find my way and I – Obviously fell off the tour and had to get my life back on track. So I kind of the guys that I got on with stayed on there. So they they were on there for like 16, 17 years, right? And then I had like a ten year. I had a few little wild cards and I came back on there for a bit. But I felt like I got 
lot more fuel in the tank and sort of got some unfinished business, so to speak. Mm. So having the opportunity in that platform to surf with those guys and celebrate where I am in my life and to, yeah, just be be invited and included in that, I kind of really brought the intent and the passion. Mm. And um, I think or I hope that came through in my surfing. And, you know, I don't live at Narrabeen anymore and there's so much, yeah, um, drive and memories and connection to that place. So just having me back there on a normal free surf is enough that it, that, that comes up, you know. I've got my dad, I can see my dad standing on the beach. I've got all the memories, all that, you know, the three generations coming through there and growing up on the lake and that whole deal. So then if you put an opportunity to do the rivals comp with that, you know, there's, there's a fair bit, fair bit there, you know. What do you reckon, Smithy? Should we uh, should we dive in? Sure. Go back to the start because uh, that's that's a good a segue as any. Um, yeah, just I, I agree with you though, mate. That that spark is is so there. It's so obvious. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better for myself when I get down to the Australian board riders battle and I see the Narrabeen team turn up with Captain Hoggy just you know beating the drum at the at the start. And fair nickel, I mean, if you if, if you don't cut you open and find a black and white Narrabeen flag somewhere wrapped up around your organs, then there's something wrong because you, you are just <laughs> absolutely, you know, you live and breathe it more than just about anyone does for their, their home break. But let's, let's dive into your life there. Well, just before, just before we get into it, I'd love to know, uh, I mean, your surfing is at such a high level and, uh, you know, you're not, you're not old. Like you're looking at Slater, he's 48. 47, still on tour. Mm. Uh, now the WSL is kind of moving back to this regional qualifying series where we're, we're going to have a lot more uh, a pathway that doesn't require you to leave Australia necessarily to get on the world tour or at least, uh, you know, the kind of early stages of the qualifying series are going to be all held here. So are you thinking of having a crack hog? Mate, I'm just coming back from knee surgery and, yeah, I mean, I'm open to... I was more thinking towards the Masters tour, to be honest. Like, no. when's that, when's that, when's that going to happen, you know? But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a moving target. It's, um, I've still obviously got the passion, but I still, you know, in saying that, I love watching the new generation come through and I'm a surf fan and I'm quite happy to, you know, let the other guys have their time. I've, you know, had a, had a really good, incredible career and, you know, but given a chance and put the, the jersey back on, I still love love to compete. So, look, I, I just on that, uh, the, the the number one thing that I was looking the most forward to with the the change of the tour, the regional series, and then feeding into the challenger series, then onto the CT, was exactly seeing guys like you serving it up to the young guys that you like watching coming through because. Uh, one of the big things that uh, this is a theory I heard it might have been Andy King, but I'm not sure. Uh, someone was saying, you know, one of the main reasons why Australian surfing has kind of lost a bit of its mongrel is because surfing has become quite insular in terms of like goal setting. It's not like you're going out there with a team and uh, forging ahead against you know the other nations. So that'll bring this back because you know when you were first getting on tour, there was a a huge movement, uh, the LMB movement, yep. and uh, but just on top of that, even just a full nationalistic push yep. to try and combat this uh, momentum generation takeover, and that mm. really bred uh, a lot of success with uh, yourself, the Cooley kids, that next sort of wave that came through on the back of it. With the regional series, all these guys they're going to be competing against each other, but they're going to be hanging together, mm. and it's not just kids who have a bit of money yeah. who can go and get the good hotel and all this sort of stuff. By the time you start surfing in Challenger Series events, yeah. you've got camaraderie. Yep. Your camaraderie helps 
push the surfing nations. Look what it's doing for Brazil. Mm. So I think that that's, uh, yeah. that's one of the big things. But having the elders, having the old boys, like showing these kids what passion is and like reminding them that it's not always going to be easy. And if you want to win, you've got to dig deep. Man, it's, it can only be a good thing for Australian surfing. Yeah, I tend to agree with you for sure, mate. Um, just thinking of our journey, like you'd have legs in the camaraderie and I guess going back generation before me too, it was the QCC, right? So the, the, the regional tour. That's that, right, yeah. That was, it was the ACC. ACC. And then, uh, but the, even the Pro Junior Series, you guys had yeah. three or four years of getting to know each other, getting to know how each other surf, backing each other up. I remember seeing you... Uh, at Bondi in a pro junior, uh, mm. in in the real power era of the Cooley kids, I think Mick yeah. and Joel might have even had CT wins by then. Yeah, right. But everyone was just frothing on you, yeah. on uh, you know you getting through these rounds at Bondi and cheering you up the beach, and yeah. it just had this had this magic aura to it, man. You could feel that Australian surfing, despite the competitiveness of it, all the individuals, everyone loves seeing everyone surfing out of their skin and bringing the passion to it. Yeah, and I think the. You know, the camaraderie in travelling as a group, like you'd have the legs, like say to Europe, you'd go for two months. So you'd kind of be on the journey on the leg and whoever did best in the in the comp might pay for the hotel, the hire car, or you'd play cards to see who's going to pay for this and that. And it just... Smithy, you're giving Smithy, he's getting goosebumps here. Yeah, he's, He loves yeah. this sort of stuff. Mm, he's just, up, yeah. looking after your fellow man, mm, looking after the battlers. Mm, mm, yeah. Or whoever whoever got the hottest chick got the double bed because other guys were bunks. <laughs> Sock on know. the doorknob. Yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> over in over in WA at Preverly Park. It was that was the deal. <laughs> so it was just fun, you know, like just good times and breakfast of champs. We wake up and have bacon eggs on the barbie, baked beans, like just real, you know. Before I guess referring to Mick and Joel, like before big contracts came and stuff, it was just like yeah, sharing higher car costs and just yeah, just getting from place to place. We weren't roughing it, but it was just more core. Mm, yeah, it was just mm. super real and um, not so insular. It was, mm. um, yeah, and I think that was the legacy that the Aussie boys, you know, planted the seed in us coming through. I think mm. that's the sense yeah. you get from it when you have that intergenerational atmosphere at a contest, a lot more grit, a lot more folklore, just the storytelling and just, uh, you know, learning about guys who were so close to being good enough. Maybe they were even better than the best, but for whatever reason they didn't make it. All those stories, I think it's kind of lost when you're dispersed around the globe in this kind of inter international WQS kind of... Uh, well, it's also, uh, it's, just, it's just not possible for so many talented surfers to, to get there. You know, if you haven't got major support, uh, if you have a couple of bad runs, if, I mean, look at, uh, you know, Morgan Sibley. So he, he had a couple of guys he was touring with, uh, had a couple of shocking years, nearly gave it away. And just had a good run. And Crazy. I mean, how many times have we seen yeah. guys go, you know, this close, bees dick close and not quite crack it. And, and that could be put down to not a desire thing, but just a simple, you know, uh, fucking sticks and uh, dollars and cents yeah, kind of absolutely. thing. You know, you, you, you just, you can't be surfing your best if you're constantly stressing about where's your next paycheck coming from. Oh. But I mean, it, it worked perfectly for in the old, old days when they were building the sport. Yeah. But... They also had the camaraderie. And so if you're doing that now and you haven't got someone looking after you or, or thrown down for a hotel room when you're having a shocker, the camaraderie just doesn't exist, right? Mm. So why bother? Mm. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's, good. It's, just, it's a good system. I can't wait to see what it does for Australian surfing. No, I think it's going to be, be great to see. It's going to be great. All right, uh, that brings us to Hog. This is your life. Number five. Hog mob lands in Narrabeen. Yeah, take us back to how your family ended up there. 
on one of yeah, the it was some great Australian waves. My dad, he um, we grew up on the beachfront up at um, Sunshine Coast, mm. and uh, my dad had built twenty units on the beachfront of Caloundra, and um, the recession hit, and um, so all the pre-sales of the units fell through, and my dad's brother bought one to bail him out, and then he was like had to move to Sydney to try and find work and building, and um, so we moved down to Sydney. Um, dad packed up the mum and dad packed up the Connie Corolla, Toyota Corolla, <laughs> three kids. And we moved off down to Sydney and Dad um, wanted to keep us somewhat near the beach. We ended up moving out to um, French's Forest. Mm. And Dad was commuting into the city, building in the city. He was a foreman for like Leighton's or something like that in there and worked on the cocktail building and did some really pretty amazing things in the city. And um, we'd go to DY on the weekends. Just, you know, I was still probably about 10 at the time. So I'd surfed every day at the sunny coast, learned to surf up there. Um, surf with Parco and that up at Double Island and sort of got my roots of surfing on the sunny coast. Mm. But then when I moved to Sydney, I didn't really surf for like a year or two or just weekends. DY, mate. Yeah. I, I thought growing up in Narrabeen was uh, a baptism of fire. But yeah. DY, yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's a, back in those years in particular, I mean, it, yeah. it was, it was he- like sure. hellish, but it was definitely mm. uh, had its own culture. Like it was totally yeah. separate. I was born in a bathtub overlooking DY Point, actually. Oh, fair dinkum. There we go. There you go. Smithy. Did, Did Peter Crawford deliver you into uh, <laughs> I, I think he was the shaman. <laughs> 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 Water shot. Coming out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the housing in the bathtub. Yeah. So did, did you have a homemade one, PVC pipe and the whole deal. Uh, <laughs> so any good. memories of DY, mate? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. Those guys would have been absolutely. big I'm stars. A, yeah. Shane Herring was mental. Um, I just remember like looking up silhouette up towards Longy in the morning. He was just doing like big airs and big hacks and stuff. I remember the silhouette power. He'd always know it was him. Wow. Um, bunch of really good surfers from there. Um, but yeah, mum and dad had rented this place right at the top of the steps at the end of the point there. Mm. 143 Oaks Avenue. And um, just this little beach shack. And so I'd learned to surf in Kitty's Corner, the little, the little left in there. And then having the right point was also good for me. Like just having the bit of reef and some bigger waves. So yeah, we... Um, Lived there for like a couple of years and then um, dad had a mate who was surfing up at Narrabeen. He said, oh, you got to come up Narrabeen. The waves are a bit more hollow and mm. it's pretty good up there. And so I went up there on one weekend and I got my first barrel up there, come out, claim. That's where, <laughs> that's where it started. Nothing's changed. That's where the claiming started, <laughs> right? So I don't even think I was in the barrel, but it sort of went over me, I think, and I felt that in the cone, in the, you know, that's that no noise. I felt like I was, you know, in the, in the, in the back in the womb or something. Was it, a, was it a double fist, clenching, screaming <laughs> at the heavens, veins popping Pro- out of your head claim? Probably. <laughs> 11 or 12-year-old yeah. version. Um, and then, yeah, I said to Dad, I could, oh, the waves so much better. They want to get up there, get up there. And then Dad, being the legend that he was and is still, um, moved us up there. Mm. And um, we lived on the beachfront in various different spots. And Dad was a builder, so he was kind of like building a bunch of stuff around Narrabeen. And... and um, I used to surf Southie all the time because mm. that's where we lived down there. We'd have the tinny on the beach, me and Benny Lawson, and we'd just push it out and go fish the bombies and, yeah. um, you know, Aussie, and it was just all about Southie. And then one day we rode up to North Narra, and I remember Jesse Frayne and Ank, Ank Kidman and Simon Kidman, maybe even the Banos were out, and we were trying to paddle out from the, from the end of the left, mm. trying to get out. And they're like, nah, come up to the alley, get sucked out here, and just showing us the ropes. And um, I just remember the waves being so long and so ruler edge and perfect. And we've seen Damien Harbin out there and all these guys. And from that day on, I just rode up every morning mm. up to North Narrabeen. And um, yeah, I think that's just where it all, all started. 
Fantastic. Was yeah. it, it didn't take long for you guys to really just embed yourself in Narrabeen culture. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like uh, – it, it felt like you'd be always been a part of the fabric of Narrabeen from just about the second you moved there. Uh, I remember just, you know, going up there for surfs after work, seeing <laughs> yeah. your little blonde curly locks flying through the uh, pit like a, a surfing Shirley Temple. Right <laughs> then. Um, how quickly did you sort of sense the, the weight of the joint? Was, was it obvious? Like, uh, did you have to join board riders before you started to go, oh, hang on a minute, this place is actually pretty serious. It's not just people showing me how to get out through alley rights and all that sort of thing? Uh, I think I just, there was just so much depth and so much talent mm. that, um, you know, obviously there's a few name guys there that I, that I knew of, but um, just the level of surfing is what drew me there. Just the surfing that I was watching and seeing on a daily basis um, was what really set the hook for me, um, wanting to be out there and just aspire to... You know, like any, you just want to rise to that level mm. and seeing the calibre of surfers out there and the quality of waves, it's just, it was just so consistent, so good every morning that that's kind of what did it for me. Um, and then, yeah, board riders-wise, I was getting chucked out as the grom at like 12 and 13, mm. you know, the different surf tag events and stuff around, Jim Beam ones and whatever else it was. Um, remember there's a Chris Bystrom film of me early, early days I can't remember the name. Got but the Chris Bystrom collection right here, by the way. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, for sending those through. Exactly. Beyond um, blazing boards, gravity sucks. We've got to find that one. I know. And, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of waves of me. I swear I'm like 11 or 12. And um, the last five minutes, just go out and get the quick last wave, the grommet. And um, I just remember that pressure of, like, you know, having to go out and get a wave. It's just really good for me, you know, being, being that young and having the pressure of the board riders <laughs> there. Just putting the snout in the sand and just... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <Just> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, go get into it. So, um, and then after that, I think I did all right. And um, so, yeah, it was just sort of all about board riders then. And yeah, yeah. Talk to us about the big dogs at the beach at that time and your dynamic with them. I mean, who was uh, who were the alpha males? Who were the mentors? Who was uh, likely to give you yeah. a mouthful in the lineup? Oh, I was a bunch of heavyweights there. Um, but, I mean, there was just heaps of combos of different guys. Um, the two Bannister brothers were amazing. Um, the Fitzy, all the Fitzy clan. Mm. Uh, then you got, like, Danny Shallis and Richard Brees and Chris Davo. Um, there was just so much depth. And then you got, like, the elders, like, the pioneer guys, like, in, um, like Simon um, Blackie and um, Damien Harbin, obviously, was right at the pinnacle of his career then, too. And, I um, mean, there's so many. I'm probably forgetting half of them as well. Um even like the female side of it too, Yvonne Rogan Camp was mm. right up there then, and I think collectively, just like between Manly up to Palmy, on any given day, you'd have like Potts was in the area, TC. Fuck, a wild era for oh, the Northern Beaches. It's just mecca. It was no, Potts is yeah. Potts is up at Whaley. Used to go up and train with Potts and Barton up at Whaley. Wow, he'd have us running out the rocks and doing runarounds and stuff, and then because I knew him a bit better than the other guys, I'd get invited back up to their place and. Yeah, we do a bit of extracurricular stuff up there. A couple of billies after training. <laughs> a couple of, couple of extra push-ups and chin-ups. Uh, Pots. Those guys were in yeah. a, fu a funny place in their careers yeah, yeah, around that time, just, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, was what was going on? Talk us through the, uh, the Pots BL kind of shtick at that time. Oh, mate, they just still, like, just remember catching them over in Hawaii and um, come back to Australia. They just just full board, just going hard. Just, yeah, just, just maniacs. Because <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were basically in that, that period of trying to figure out what to do with life post pro surfer, uh, but still getting an, a, a little bit of coin and still having mm. a big profile and sort of, you know, that, that weird feeling of like acknowledgement, but it's not there. And 
it, it was a tough time, man, because the industry mm. kind of was raking in heaps and heaps of dollars, but it was all youth orientated. Mm. And so the, the legends and the elders, they weren't getting a sniff, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, but the yeah, it was just it was a tough time. There was a lot of bitterness, mate. There was a lot of like you know anger uh, from guys who you know were hall of famers already, mm. but just not getting any sort of like opportunity to 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 help teach the next generation. But Barton and Potts just took it upon themselves to to start managing and training. They did. That was not yeah, part exactly. of any any bigger uh, system mm. that exists now. So yeah, it's good that those guys changed. But it, that's what it makes me laugh is that. Um, you know, like yeah. you, you would have gone into that, oh, uh, this, this into nuts. that that sort of bizarre energy. Yeah. But also, you know, on one hand, being told this is this is how we're gonna make you succeed, and on the other hand, watching them just tear in like fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just sort of like your mentors and the guys that you want to look up to and be like too. So that's what it was like the first years on tour. You know, like you still had Sonny and Ock and Louis and. Um, you know, it's just guys that had just finished up too, like boxing that. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was still remnants of just that gnarly, gnarly years on tour. And um, mm. but being young and being sponsored by Rip Curl and going on these trips, it was um, I got a real good glimpse at that stuff. And um, yeah, it was um, let's just say the duty of care might be a little bit different this day and age. Number Right, at number four in the life and times of Nathan Hoghedge, searching with Tom Curran at the tender age of 13 <laughs> years old, mate. Tell us, uh, tell us how that transpired. Well, I just remember coming home from school and um, my dad said, look, we've got a call from Derek Hind. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and, uh, normal. Yeah, LDH calls. <laughs> How'd that um, convo go down? Oh, I just... Dad, I could see it was just a look of Dad's face. It's, it was going to be good news. And they're like, oh, they want you to go on a boat trip, search trip. And um, What's grabbing that? Sorry, mate. Yeah. Makes a few uh, bugs and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah keep um, going. Doing the same thing. And um, yeah, they said they, they want you to go on a search trip up in, um, up in the Mets. And um, you're going to have to take some... We're going to have to go into school and see if they're going to allow it. Talk to your teachers and see if we can um, get some homework. It's going to be a 28-day trip. Oh, 28 <laughs> days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, wow. That's like a fair percentage of, a, of your life when you're 13. I know. It was like the bottom of the chain, the men's right up to the Bunda Arche, and the deal was that, you know, I was oh. the grommet, and um, I'd go with Martin Daly on the um, on the tender, mm. and I'd go in and try and find these waves and surf these waves because he was just, it was just pioneering. It was uncharted area. Oh. We, we had the go to spots of like Lancers and HTs around the Maccas and. And um, other spots, you know, all the known spots. But mm. it was only one boat. There, there was none like, oh, let's go to this spot. That's going to be uncrowded. It was one boat. Mm. So we're just surfing on our own. You know, the kids coming out from the villages hadn't seen surfing. And wow. you know, sunny Miller days, it was just, we were the, you know, the first. I'm sure there was other boat trips up there early around that time. I know Quick were doing stuff as well. But when I was there, that first boat trip, I didn't see any other boats. We were sitting at Macca's, that, just us. Wow. No, no, no one else. And as a 13-year-old, you know, you're a 13-year-old from Australia, this, you know, relatively comfortable white country, and then you're dealing with, like, 13-year-old villagers coming out of, you know, like, what was, who were from abject poverty or village life, like, what sort of an impression did that leave on you? I think just, um, you know, I guess I'd run off the other guys like Sonny and that, how they interacted and um, documenting it and seeing um, how they went about interacting with different cultures and... And um, 
just yeah i guess just a real real gratitude for what we had in australia and how we got to live and just clean yeah. water and just yeah just all that stuff what an impression i mean to, to have experiences like that and then try and reintegrate into society even as an adult that would have been difficult but as mm. a child i mean as a teenager like uh, i can't even imagine that Oh man, yeah. I mean, there's there's the, the, there's the impact of that, but then there's the impact of what's going on off the boat, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the kids coming out of the, the bushes and the dunes and coming out surfing different planks and pieces of wood was mm. was incredible. Um, it was more kind of yeah, the hardcore stuff was um, on the boat and I was the grommet and my duties and um, yeah, that side of things. You know? So you're you're on uh, boats with. Uh, I'm just trying to think back to those uh, earlier films. That's Frankie O and Tom Curran, Davo. Yeah. Frankie O, Davo, Tom Curran, Powley. Powley? Oh, Powley was, me. Powley was the man. Wow, I mean, you've really got some <laughs> yeah. go at it personalities yeah. there. Yeah, I grew up pretty quick, put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah my... uh, we've had Taj on talking about, you know, uh, a Quicksilver trip that he did. I think it was around about the same, 28 days. Yeah. Up there with Ross Clark Jones, Tom Carroll. There you um, go. And a couple of those boys. And. <laughs> You know, he he said it, it. It made him the man who he is. Yeah. But it was terrifying when he was there. Did you yeah. have any sort of feelings of, fuck? I, am I ready for this, or were you just one hundred percent? This is what I'm meant to be doing, and this is me. Like, did was, you have any insecurities, or or, or just? No, I was pretty. I was pretty point? into it. I was knocking about with Davo pretty early on, mm. so it was just like another step up with hanging out with Davo. Mm, yeah, right. It was. He, he kind of had a big brother on the on the trips with you, right? Yeah, he was pretty um, gnarly, Davo. Um, just yeah, from like thirteen to fifteen, those couple of years, and um, so it was just like a longer trip with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I just dove straight into it, and um, I enjoyed it and embraced it, and I felt pretty confident as a kid and. I never really, you know, it was just, uh, it was all good. And what about your memories of the trip? Uh, I guess let's start first with just the, the waves, like any iconic sessions. I imagine there was a couple at mm. least. I just remember empty maccas, like just come from Narrabeen <laughs> and um, just surfing macaronis, yeah. you know, just such, just a fun park. Um, we didn't know about Greenbush at that time. So that was never, we had a couple of really big swells, um, a really big swell at uh, Lancers. Uh, the right HTs, you want to call it. I had cracked my head open and um, couldn't surf. So, um, geez, how did uh, what, yeah. like, a, like not a fractured skull, just a, a split? Oh, I was pretty bad. Really, um, I can't remember how many stitches I got, but up here, but I couldn't surf out of the water for a bit. So it was yeah. at the end of the trip, thank God. But yeah, I just remember Davo and a couple of boys getting big, big lances right. Mm. It was pretty mental. But the thing I remember the most was just probably like doing the recons with Martin, like. I think I named a break or two. I can't remember now, but just going in on the boat and the mothership, the Indies would stay out out the back and just keep on course, and we'd just be going in with the tender and some tinnies and freaking fuck yes fishing and just sort of come back out and yeah, like just hope for the best. Wow. And it's a lot of trust, isn't it? Putting your thirteen-year-old yeah. kid in the uh, care yeah. of a ex-salvage diver lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just one of the old right, Dave and Powley's bad enough. Are they? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Just, uh, just as uh, role models at, at that particular time in their careers. I mean, Dave just had a, a an energy, uh, a confidence, an arrogance about him that was just out of this world for a kid who was like, like you say, 13 to 15, he was probably the number one surfer his age in the world. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and, and he knew it. Yeah. He knew it. He'd paddle out, mate, and he'd just stink eye every fucking personal lineup. Doesn't yeah. matter who it was. Yeah. And just tear the place to fucking smithereens. I mean, that between him and Powley, like that, once, you know, 
was game on. We hit the water like we, mm. you know, we talk about some of the you know stuff that went on around in around the edges on the boat and whatever. But in the water, like to surf with, I mean, that same energy, that same passion, the same mongrel, all of that was what you know just drove me to get to me to be where I was. You mm. know, um, having the talent and that fire and just just not soft, like just fucking gnarly. Yeah, mm. yeah. And Curran's a different beast. You know, he's got a different yeah. energy altogether. What? How? How did he factor into that dynamic? He was kind of like still, I didn't, ha like the Aussie guys, I had a little bit more um, access to, like growing up in Louis and, and Ock and Tom and, and Duma, like I sort of had a little bit more to do with them, mm. you know, just being Aussie and sort of looking up to them and stuff, whereas Tom was a little bit further, a little bit further away. But I remember um, Greg Clough from Aloha designed some boards for Tom and um, early days he got me to bring the boards on the trip for Tom to ride. And so I, that's what kind of gave me, I had a little bit of interaction with him, just sort of opened up the, mm. the door to, to interact with Tom. And um, he's just, I just remember him being pretty elusive, a um, little bit mystical, and um, he'd just kind of pop up in the right spot at the right time, and, and then he'd disappear too. He just, you just wouldn't see him. It'd be the best time, the best time of the day, and he'd just disappear for a couple of hours. Where's Tom? <laughs> you know? And then that went right through onto like, you know, the Rip Curl House in Hawaii, like 15 years later, mm. he would just come in from a backdoor session and come in and turn the turkey over around Thanksgiving time. He'd come in, baste the turkey, go back out. And <laughs> it's just, yeah, but always really nice to me and super welcoming. And, um, you know, when I was underage, he would let me um, borrow his hire car, for example. He'd just let me take the hire car mm. wherever we were. Like I didn't have the license. He'd just say, take the car. And <laughs> Fuck, just whatever, you know. I, I love, you know, hearing you discuss sort of the influence of these guys that you had access to and, and basically became your, your, your traveling family. Mm. Um, your guy feeds on energy. So I, I get that, you know, being around the Powleys and, and the Davos and, and that really speaks to you. But did, did you ever get words of wisdom? Did you ever have like mentors who, who'd sit you down and, and give you stuff that really stuck with you? I think they probably tried, but I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I was much, just... Mate. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, my dad was probably my closest mentor and the one I listened to the most. Mm. Um, Great know, bloke, mate. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Greg. Yeah, I used exactly. Love catching up with him in the car yeah, park, man. We all sure. had such good chats. Yeah, really positive bloke. Always out for the best. Love yeah. Narrabeen. Love yeah. you more than anything in, in yeah. the, on the planet, of course. And um, sure. yeah, that's uh, it's yeah, miss mm. him a lot. He's a great bloke. Yeah, um, thanks, mate. I mean, Duma Hardman, like yeah. competitive wise, definitely helped him with some of that stuff. Um, absolutely, like through the pro juniors and even BL too, Barton. Mm. Um, they definitely mentored me through a lot of that stuff, definitely. Um, but I think just being on the search and surfing those waves and being around those guys from 13 to 18, that's kind of where my schooling came from as far as riding waves and yep. how to go about. doesn't get much better, Mate, does it? To yeah, have access to that, that, was, that was the college right there. It was fuck it was just immersed in it and um, it's out of control you know making films with Sonny Miller you make one 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 film a year you know you have all these destinations and something would come out at the end and so it was like premiere night it was like you know like the magazines you'd mm. ride to the news agent and wait and see what you know what was going on in there and it was just so much anticipation and froth and like excitement and what was going to come yeah. and so that was a whole year of of doing the search movie you know so it was about you know fronting up and just having a, an epic clip and doing some crazy surfing, whether it be WA over to Indo to Maldives to finish in Hawaii and whoever it's in Africa in the middle, wherever it might be, you know, so you'd shoot for a whole year mm. and you get to ride different waves and each guy would sort of take you to their special spot. You know, mm. Frankie'd show you special spots in um, Africa wow. and 
ponchos getting around the east side or whatever, whatever side in Hawaii. And by the time, you know, collectively over a whole year, you're surfing, you know, all the different boards you're trying, all the different influences, um, far out. I mean, you, you're coming out the other side surfing a lot better. Yeah, what a bet. life. What it's, a life. It's yeah. crazy because to mm. me, you're you're you know a really contemporary surfer. You surf at such a high level now, but you know back in those days, surfing was so small. Like you were going to, you know, like you said, Indo ha- had barely been discovered at this point. It's insane to think uh, that you were still in your peak, able to enjoy a period of surfing where there was still fuck all people doing it. Mm. Yeah, golden just, age, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just. Yeah, you can just really appreciate that it wasn't as instant, instantaneous, and um, you know the guys had to had to swim out with their thirty two shots on the film and get the, get the shot and come back in and reload and mm. you, know, you know what I'm saying? It oh was, mate, um, yeah, it's changed yeah. so much. I, I used to get a lot of, of well when I was running the mags, maybe um, you know as soon as that digital era hit, mate, some of the the old boys just were really upset mm. because it, it went from being like a a, a one in a one percent skill set you know what i mean like the, the amount of the commitment t- skill the crop yeah. time you had to put into not just photography but swimming and you know understanding waves yeah you had to be as good as the surfers at reading the ocean and and i mean guys are shooting incredible stuff now and we know that you know those guys still exist but the the uh the amount of uh it just flooded the market and, and it really sort of it, it pushed a lot of uh really you know, talented, legendary lensmen to the brink, and a wow. lot of them quit because of it. Mm. Um, the fact that, yeah, Sonny Miller, uh, RIP, of course, but yeah, th- these guys were the top of their game in in the last great days of surf film and surf photography. I think. Yeah, yeah. crazy to get an insight into that period, man. You were just young enough to see it all. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Should we get into a bit of mongrel? Yeah, what do you got? Well, I don't know. What do you got? Well, I got a bit. We'll come. <laughs> Um, all right. Number three. I want to know, Hog, at number three, mate. Mm. This is iconic folklore. Mm. That time you got blind and paddled a kayak Ooh. from Nemotu to Cloudbreak, <laughs> slept in the judging tower and scored mindless cones at Sparrow Far the next morning. But this was our number one question from the Swellians too. Right? Well, we're going to do this story. Question, but everyone was straight onto it. <laughs> yeah. And I was telling Louie and um, Smithy that this is just one chapter in a, an ongoing competition, unspoken competition that you and Oki and Luke had to be the first guy out every single morning, right? That went on pretty much your whole time on tour. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ock and Louie were, when I got on there, they were the, the guys who were out there earliest for sure when we started. Absolutely. You're just like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, we'll try and do up, up, one up on the mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, was that, that that's a true true thing that uh, you guys would like, you know, regardless of where the tour stopped, you, you were always competing against each other to get out there in the dark and, and get the first waves? Yeah, I think, um, well, I was staying with Ock and Luke a fair bit, so we just do it together, you know. But when I first got on tour, yeah, Ock was definitely the guy doing that um, up early and. And um, first in the in the lineup, you know, but sort of referring to Fiji, it was kind of like, um, you know, the two islands would have the the, the competition, you know, where yeah. the, the heats and the, and the contest results and who Tavarua and Namotu, yeah. And generally speaking, it's uh, mostly Aussies on Namotu and and the Americans on Tavi, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's mm. the way it used to be. Um, Scott and Mandy, the Aussies used to run it, so a lot of the Aussies would gravitate towards um, Namotu. Mm. And um, so there was already this competition of who could get out there first because it was um, back in the days of the 
um, the rights, you had to stay on that island to surf there. You know, it wasn't open slather, so there's no right. public. So there's no no one out there. So it was, you're on Tavi for the contest. So it was kind of like each morning there'd be a contest between Tavaru and Namoto who could get out there first. And then obviously the contest was going on and um, and it was my birthday the next day. And um, I'd had a heat and um, I got knocked out. And um, Timmy Ray's got this wave down like a west one down the inside. And I'd already caught a wave and better a score. And there was fuck all time left. And anyway, he needed a, I don't know, I can't remember, but like a 6.5 or something. And he came all the way back down the reef and got like a little end piece, shish kebab thing, and got a 6.8, whatever. And I was blowing up. I had to be in my bonnet for the rest of the day. It was probably the score, but anyway, I was sort of dirty that he came down the inside and got mm. one. And so I had a little bit of a thorn in my side towards um, Perry Hatchet and that the rest of the day. And I sort of went back to Namotu and was trying to sort of ease the pain over a few coldies and a few extra coldies. And skull drags. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, just doing what was doing on the island. And then... Um, I started thinking about my birthday the next day mm. and then um, it started with just this thought of, I want to be out there with Ock and Luke. How special would that be? You know, I think it was about my 25th birthday and um, we'd been doing that the whole event. So I thought, oh, well, that'd be fun to do, you know? And then I started thinking as the beers were going down, I wonder if I could get out there like first. <laughs> you know, before, as you do. Before everyone or anyone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> And standard mental process at uh, yeah. 10 p.m. at night after oh, a couple yeah. of years. Maybe I can well, the, the more beers, my kayak. The more beers the... you drink, the better the idea gets. That's, that's, that's a full-blown yeah. Einstein equation right there. Physics. It started becoming a bit better idea. And then I so I found a canoe underneath the, the decking at the place and I tried to wrangle uh, Phil Macker to come with me. And we're pretty blind. I couldn't even really sit in the canoe. So I was kind of like... <laughs> We're not going to make it, Hog. So he gave up on me and went back up. And I think Mick and Joel come down too. We're like, fuck, Hog, you're not going to get out there. Just go to bed, whatever. Yeah. And anyway, I, I grabbed my 6.10 and I had my leash behind me and I set set sail. I started started working it out. Um, it was kind of like a bit of a full half half moon. So I had a little bit of light across two um, restaurants. Cloud? Cloud yeah, in the sky. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was quite clear in my mind. Oh, mate. <laughs> this is, this is what, see, this is the part of the story that nobody knows. We know the story. But I want to know what's going on in your brain as you're just stroking through those oily waters. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just thought I'd just get across to restaurants, and I fell out a lot because they're freaking wobbly at the mm. best of times, and I'm a skin full of coldies under you. <laughs> um, so I was just trying to like get across to restaurants, and I got to the back of the white water there, and then I don't know how long it took, probably about an hour or two to get across there, and then um, started finding my way. I started getting a little bit more technique on the on the canoe and. Went up the back of the reef, like had restaurants on my inside, went up and then went up the inside of, um, I could see the tower, kind of, mm. not really, but I sort of knew the general direction. I knew if I went up the inside, it'd be okay. And there was enough tide for me to come up the inside. Um, how long did it take to get across the channel? Like, how far is it? It's fucking I don't know how far, far it is. Man. It's a long way. But I f the thing is, like, the currents through there rip out so gnarly. Like, even on a small day, the currents funnel through there. Like, when yeah. you're in the boat in the daylight, it's gnarly. Yeah. So, to do it on your own at night was just crazy. Yeah. And I when fell you out heaps. Yeah. Like, when fell you out. flip it. Because you, you jump up this side and you, you jump too far and fall out the other side. <laughs> Turn the other side, back on the inside. <laughs> so, it was just like... Like, like a cockatoo on a, on a power line. It's just... Oh. Woo, woo. Can they fill up and sink the ki the kayaks? Or sure, they can. Oh, fucking yeah. hell! So, uh, is there any point during this paddle where you're going? Hang on a minute, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> no, I just I never doubted myself. I never, never, never thought I was not going to make it. Uh, I just, and then you know, I got to the tower and um, 
I um, just tied the, the canoe off at the bottom of the tower with my leggy, shut my board up, and um, got up there and just tried to have a little bit of a nap. It was about three in the morning. I left it like 10 at night, and it's about three in the morning now, so it took about five hours. Sobered up a bit, and um, I was up on the judges' tower, and there was a little like Gatorades and Powerades left mm. from the day, Perry Hatchet and that up there, so I was like, get them in. We didn't take any water. No, nah, right. No, nah, I don't need water. Nah, just nah. got me board, me boardies. Yeah. Bit thicker leggy, 6'10". Sweet. I mean, it's now my birthday, three in the morning. I try to have a little bit of a nap, and um, I wake up to this boom, 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 and the tides come up now. There's white waters coming underneath the tower, and the leggy was stretching and it banged a hole in the front of the canoe, and it took it on some water. So I went down. I was trying to like bring it back, 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 and then it snapped, and I was moving away from the tower, and I bumped my head like on a coral head, and that's the first time I thought, oh shit, hang on, I'm on my own. You just hit your head. You need to kind of decide what's going it's like mm. waterlogged and the current was going that way so i had to decide like i just let the canoe go got back to the tower and then it was sort of like pretty early on by then like maybe 4 35 in the morning the sun comes up behind you there in the western side mm. so it was starting to get light so i went out and started surfing and it was my birthday at this point it was probably like i don't know i'd say like I wouldn't say six feet it was like four to five feet mm. really nice cloud break nothing too heavy but just nice i had my 610 it felt a bit long but it was just nice Cruising out there on your own is a really surreal experience. Wow. You know, the summer's come up. It was my 25th birthday. Wow. I'm out there. It already feels so far out when you're out there with crew mm. and, and boats and the industry. When you're out there on your own, it was just a feeling I'd never forget. It's all incredible experience. And then I just saw the corner of my eye, the first boat coming out. Yep. The Motu boat. Yep, yep. And yeah. Two heads. Ock and Luke. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck yeah. This is sick. How good is this? And then they paddled it. It's like... Why they they just I don't know what was going through their heads. You have to ask them, but I think they were just like what because the, they were looking on the island for me because we were staying in the one yeah. right and Hog's not in his bed, so they thought oh he might have had a few too many last night and he's crashed out somewhere. He's on yeah. the island somewhere, it's mm. crashed in, around the bar or whatever. And Devo, you know, because his birthday couldn't find. We'll go for a surf anyway and hopefully catch up with him through the day. And they come out in the boat and I'm already fucking out there. Hog's sitting out there already. And then my two heroes, the two guys I wanted to surf with other than probably Mick and Joel out there, but, you know, they probably had heats on. Um, so, yeah, surf with Ock and Luke for about probably half an hour, I'd like to say. Um, just surfing waves, just enjoying, just having a hell time. And then um, the first Tavarua boat came out with some of the guys on that boat and they were kind of had a little bit of a serious head about them and had seen my canoe um, mm. way down the channel, which had, you know... Mm capsized and no one could find me in the island so a few alarm bells started ringing yeah wow. beep, beep, beep. where's hog we found the canoe where is he bastard bastard mm. and, wow um, so it has shades of a kind of a, a degenerate eddie Icow scenario you know mm. like eddie obviously yeah. sacrificed his life to save people you just got real pissed and uh <laughs> nearly drowned in the channel but uh Oh, I think it was more the point, like when you arrive on the island, you're meant to sign this waiver and you're meant to sort of play mm. by the rules and be a good boy and um and not play up too much. And I think um all the, the liabilities and things changed then because they weren't expecting someone to paddle through the night in the canoe and mm. sort of, yeah. yeah so. Oh, the fucking legal eagles, they sniffed, yeah. a, sniffed a dime. Oh, and I've, I've been in the position where you think that's a good idea though. I had a, a, a skull drag on the island the night the comp finished on the Motu. I was actually staying on Tavi, so I, I just... Got up at one point, thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just go home. This is a good and, uh, one. Oh yeah. Fanning goes to me, <laughs> hey, uh, you're not allowed to take any boats out at night because I can't <laughs> get through the reef pass and stuff. And I just went, nah, I'm going. I'll check yeah, you later. You I start walking down the beach, 
And next thing I know, the, the skull drag's kicked in. I'm just being picked up out of the sand. I don't even remember falling over. But I had sand on the actual lenses of my eyes because I'd fallen face first into the sand with my eyes open. <laughs> yeah. And then they just carried me back to Julian's, Julian's room and I just spewed all over it. Oh. And then I left without paying the bar tab because I just obviously wasn't in the br- yeah, frame of mind. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking chief... Yeah, well, uh, Joycey actually paid for that. Mm. So uh, props to you, Joycey. Thanks, brother, for, uh, yeah, first of all, let me spew all over your room. (laughs) Pick it up your bar tab. Wow, what a gent. That's iconic. But, yeah, I just, I know that that frame of mind of, uh, you know, thinking that's a good idea at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, then um, Rabbit was the head of the ASP at the time then. Mm. And um, so it was up to him to give me the... um, they're talking to. Yes, oh, talk so us to the rabbit. To. Yeah, rabbit. Of all right? people. Yeah, 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 so I go, I go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is the funny bit. We go around. Oh, so I've been, get back to the island and all the Tavaruas, um, they're just sort of like a little bit, bit devoted that, you know, uh, the motor would let this happen, you know, and um, so I had to get over to, to, to Tavarua and that's where the ASP was set up at the time and um, speak to rabbit. Mm. So he's got me around the corner and he's sort of like, at one point he's like, oh, you know, this and fines and not meant to do that. And then the other, he's getting around the corner. He's like, yes, that fucking <laughs> <laughs> Shadow yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, how oh, was like, oh, the waves of fucking birthday. Fucking love oh, you, man. I love, love you, man. It. That's the winner <laughs> we need. Yeah, oh, so. Rabbit for PM. Rabbit for PM. Yeah, so I um, God, copped a fine and got sent home. And then um, I had to stay on uh, Tavarua, which wasn't a bad thing for the next couple of years until I... Oh, right. I behaved myself. <laughs> yeah, so. But, uh, yeah, it was sort of like, I've got a little plaque up on, on um, the motor now, the crossing, the hog crossing, a few, no, few t- yeah, tails over time. there. But yeah, no, it was, it's a pretty special birthday. Yeah, won't forget it. Won't be doing it again until I've done it twice, first and last. Great yarn, mate. Yeah. Such a good one. Um, Let's get into your world tour career, Hulk. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm so interested mm. here in this because it's a career that uh, is – has some real highlights. Um, some of them coming after you'd left the tour, like the, the, yeah, the big true. ten at Chopes and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, when I think of uh, Hoggy's CT career, obviously just, you know, fizzing, fizzing, spitzing passion is the word that mm. sort of springs to mind. Um, I just absolutely more than anything loved seeing you on big open-faced rights. As much as the big left conages mm. were, were all-time yeah. – Open-faced rights, mate. Like, you know, Bells, J-Bay in particular, where you've got a runner-up finish. Um, it's just the, the talk off the bottom. Uh, there's a photo on the Instagram that we ran where you're just coming yeah. off the bottom. And, mate, the technique and the way that you can twist your body and just fucking noon the fuck out of those things <laughs> is just so great to watch. Um, any highlights before you get it? Before we go into the actual specifics, there, Smivy. Ah, uh, I mean, beating AI at Chopes in what was that, two thousand and four mm. or three or something on your way mm. to a runner-up finish. Obviously, dislocated yeah. the shoulder in the final, but yeah. uh, and I think there was a runner-up at J Bay, like yeah. you said, big boards, big backside hacks, fucking mm. clinical rail surfing, as good as it gets. Made you proud to be a fucking Australian. But to then, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, obviously, a career that I'd love to know from you is it a career that was underdone? A little bit when you look back on it because the uh <clears throat> the skill set that you had the passion that you had uh the commitment that you had as well uh was it a case of just coming up against uh, a sea of giants you know of just you know once in a lifetime t- surfers in you know the Cooley kids and and parker mm. or looking back on it now do you sort of factor in other reasons for 
not getting those wins and, and not challenging the world title like we all thought you should have? Mm. Uh, I think it was the choices I was making. Um, you know, obviously burning the candle at both ends, probably had, had a fair bit to play with it. If you look at everything I was able to do in only six years on the tour, mm. when, you know, I had two finishes in the top 10. The first two years were finding my way and then we had the 9-11 bombing. So right. really I had three years on the tour. I made, you know, had four finals, two seconds. Um, I felt like I achieved a lot in that time and probably, unfortunately, um, some of the choices I was making probably meant that I fell off the tour a bit earlier than what I would have liked or hoped, you know. Mm. Um, when I look back and reflect six years, I was able to do a lot had a big impact over six years so big time yeah um and knowing now like you know i guess back in the day you'd think old was early 30s and you know now i'm 41 mm. i feel like i'm you know a bit rusty right now after my knee surgery but you know six months ago i was probably surfing as good as i'd ever surfed at 40 so yeah i mean that's that was my journey and um you know being 25 i just had a couple of years in the top 10 i uh, probably couldn't be told you know, there's, mm. there's definitely enough evidence and enough goings on for you sort of wake up and go, maybe some of the decisions you make are not working for yeah. you, Hog, you know. I'm specifically talking about the year that I didn't qualify. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of late nights in there and a couple of performances where I just wasn't as sharp as what I'd like to be. And a couple of decisions along the year that don't go your way, you lose by a point zero zero whatever. But I know within myself, I wasn't quite as sharp as what I'd, I'd like to be. But, mm. you know, that was my journey. And you just never know, like me falling off the tour, um, gave me the awakening to you know to change some things in my life, and mm. now I'm at 41 and I'm I'm living as I am today. So maybe that's just what I needed, you know. Let's uh, just revisit the good years though. Yeah. Um, when when you're feeling it, when you're on a roll, when you you know you're going to get results, uh, yeah. and especially when you've got you know the AIs, the Parkos, the Fannies, yeah. uh, Kelly floating around as well, mm. like. You must have had a couple of heats where you were just in your element, like slugging it out with the big yeah. dogs and, and really, you know, feeling like you had them. Yeah. Uh, do any spring to mind, like uh, really classics, like yeah. Smithy just brought up the AI heat well, at probably, Chopes? Probably the two that I could speak of, that you know, the, the two big boys too would be AI in Tahiti mm. and then wow. Kelly at J-Bay. I mean, Whoa. those two. <clears throat> um, firstly, with AI, um, I'd had a heat, I had the three-man heat at the start of the event. It was probably about eight foot chopes, right? I think it was that morning I did that big nail drop and um, Bruce is watching him over the, mm. over the top looking down. Yeah, wow. Go that morning. Whatever you don't go. <laughs> you know, he said. Yeah. Um, that morning. Yeah. So we've got the heat, me and Andy, and um, I thought I was pretty deep, right? And uh, this set comes, and I'm thinking I'm about as deep as I want to be and, and deep. And AI just comes up around behind me last minute and comes in behind me and takes off way late, fucking way gnarlier. Just makes and gets like a nine eight or something yep. i was just like wow i just <laughs> just kind of blew me away i just went fuck that was so gnarly and then um i knew from that point sort of what it was going to take to beat him and a few few rounds kept going and I, I had him in the quarters and no it wasn't six foot it wasn't pumping it wasn't going off but the same intent and the desire to beat him was there mm. and um we'd had a we'd had this situation where um he was we pushed each other right up the point and um, we came back and um, he took off, I had priority, and he took off really wide and didn't think I was going to take off deep. And remembering what had happened first, the first round, that's what gave me the, the mungle to just take off super mm -hmm. deep. And I ended up getting, getting a knife in and coming in behind him and getting to where he was, right? 
And so I'm looking up the judges kind of going, well, that's got to be a, a drop-in interference. Mm. And um, nothing happened. What? Nothing. Nothing was called, nothing, whatever. Whether they thought, <laughs> look, he didn't interfere up to that point or it was back in the day where if you had priority and took off, it was kind of like a no deal. But mm. anyway, so I just surfed the heat out. It got me really angry. Nothing happened. And I ended up ended up beating him. It wasn't like a classic heat or anything, but I, I, got, I did the job to beat him. And then... Um, well, hang on. Before we even leave that, like there's so many photos of you and Andy arm in arm. Like <laughs> through your careers, uh, what, yeah. what was your connection with him like? Because I think he, he yeah. obviously you two had some sort of uh, unspoken understanding of what drew, what drove what lived in the other the the animal that, that, <laughs> was, that was deep. Born. Yeah, yeah, just also the the fizz, you know, like that unspoken just. Yeah, I don't want to call it anger, but there's there's yeah. something kind of primal about it, don't you reckon? And and, and it seems like mm. he just saw that in you and just and really yeah. like connected with uh you as a human and yeah. as a friend mm. um, I'd say too it started off early we were in op um world juniors in Haleva, mm. and i had a wild card for whatever reason and um i ended up winning it and he wanted to fight me in the car park that day tell a story didn't win that he didn't want to fight somebody yeah so it started early we were yeah. in about like 13 or 14 then so then i guess when i came through and we ended up being on the tour together um, how did you um sorry just to go back but yeah what do you do when uh ai and his and his crew wants to give you hiding in the car park after a contest how do you kind of maneuver oh you like freaking i know it was always okay to just um talk me way out of trouble pretty much or just you know just yeah fast runner I don't know you know shaping up with AI in the car park I'll leave there's none of that going on <laughs> no thanks but uh, um, no. yeah <laughs> uh, any other heats that you can remember from your career with with him that are particularly memorable um, yeah I guess the final at J-Bay 2 that um, the next year uh, he needed a 10 to beat me he got a 10 oh yeah, um, but the best, I just remember being up at Sharon's after the after party and they had the two main cocktails named after us. And, um, I can't remember what they were, but yeah, just that love in his heart after it. Like mm. once the job's done, like now he's competitive in the water, but then just so, <clears throat> so amazing on land. So just celebrate that. Um, yeah, it was, it was special, you know. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think Slater at J-Bay, he was like right at the top and he'd won the year before. Mm. It was when he was wearing those white suits and he was like on the Simons and yeah. just. That's really a magic <laughs> era of surfing in mm. Kelly's yeah, long, you know, long, so long, long trail of uh, epic performances. So they're, they're particularly memorable, those ones. Yeah, and I'd had just, I'd, the year before I dislocated my shoulder and so I was sort of coming back into it and um, not even the year before, sorry, um, a couple of months before. Um, so I had lots of fire to get back to the Rashi and had done a lot of work to get myself back there. I was feeling really good, you know, mm. and I'd beaten Parker along the way and I beat um, Sonny. So as far as those two guys, for me. a roll call on the way to the final. Yeah, and um, yeah, Slater came up and then it was just really hard to beat him. We, we sort of strategized that if you've got a really good wave on him to start, it's about the only way you're going to beat him if you get mm. a really good one. Mm. So I went right up the top, like up past Sharon's house and got one past him. And just linked all the way through, and I um, got a nine three three first wave. Wow! And that just kind of put him on the back foot. And then he, you know, sometimes he would try a bit too hard. Sometimes he'd try and like, I don't know, find barrels that weren't there. And he just, he'd, I never let him get like momentum and get mm. a little groove on to get his because once he's out of the box firing, he can just run away. And is he getting uh, chatty <coughs> and lippy with you? Sort of uh, once once you've got a big lead like that, is he trying like pull out all the stops to unsettle you? No, once that was on, that was 
that was too bad for him. But prior, he was up on the boardwalk, like trying to come over. You'd have your headphones on, just try to say to him, like, definitely not talking to me. I don't want you anywhere near me, kind of thing. But he'd still <laughs> try and get in front of you. Yeah. You know, he did oh. it with Mick and those guys a lot. But oh, he had a hell one with Beat at J Bay that we, mm. we heard. Yeah, yeah. so just I Lennox just head episode for that uh, <laughs> Barb. Mm. But yeah, that's probably the two most memorable. Um, couple of moments with those guys and blessed to I mean they smoked me a lot but at least I can you know, hang up my career boot and say that I've beat him once Kelly beat me four times I think I only beat him once mm. so at least I beat what him about once. Uh, I, I always find an interesting question is you know who did you love to have a heat with who, who was the person who brought out your best or brought out your mongrel mm. uh, I know the top dogs always do but was there was there someone who uh, on the rival show actually Smithy I heard Joel and Mick and Dean talking about it when they were on tour. As long as they beat the other two guys, they were happy yeah. with their result. Even if they got a 17th, as long as the other two got 33rds. Mm. Um, did you have someone who just went, yes, like Nudes, for example? Was he someone who just went, oh, yes, oh, I'm going to fucking wipe you <laughs> to pieces, you string bean, you noodle live fucking stick creature. You're gone, the hog is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I probably, um, I loved competing with Joel the most, I think. Mm. Yeah. Part of the fact I probably had his number most. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that one, eh? Um, yeah. No, I just had good heats in like at J-Bay, at Mundaka. Um, just really good, good wave quality and great surfing. I just respected his surfing so much. Like I'd enjoy, I'd almost pretty much put his movie parts on to watch and surf, like mm. just get psyched on surfing. And I grew up with Joel surfing, so I think that's probably the closest little internal rivalry. And, like. and in the water, the chatty? You too? I, I know that um, yeah. he's the kind of guy who, like, if he sees something good, he can't bottle it. You know, you hear this sort of high-pitched, oh, my God, man, you just hear yeah. him starting to froth out or, or get eggy that yeah. someone got a score or whatever's going on. But, um, yeah, I, I saw a heat with you guys at Mundaka and it was big and stormy. Um, dark too. They had dark. The contest. Oh, dark. Yeah, you had a, uh, a just a filthy double-up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, was, I remember, yeah. And everyone in the whole, uh, up on the in the competitors' area is just watching going, low! Road, low yeah. road. It took the high road. It was going to fully, you know, triple up and get axed. The bank there was just fucking unbelievable. But yeah, you low roaded yeah. it and found the doggy. Classic hog. Classic hog. Yeah. Pit mongrel <laughs> in and out. But uh, Big dirty one. They had the comments on about nine thirty at night. Yeah, that's Joel's excuse that he couldn't see. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's yeah. blind, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, you can barely see at the best of times. I think. Mm. Um, that's great so, to hear, mate. So. Yeah, no, nah, special times. Um, that that whole era was was crazy. With just just the level of surfers coming through, crazy, yeah. crazy area. It's like just caricatures almost. Like the, the the figures on tour at the time were just monstro icons. Sunny, Oki, Fanning. Uh, I, I got a question for you, and uh, and I'm I'm sincere when I ask this. Uh, the the amount of partying and and the extracurricular fun around the tour mm. in the years that you were on, I, I think is probably blown out when compared to the generation before yours. <laughs> um, it's just that, you know, in light of, um, I guess, everything that happened with our Andy passing, you know, it, it became something that was looked back on in, in a really hyper-critical, hyper-sensitive way. But the, the generations beforehand, I, I think, would have, this is the, from my knowledge of it, would have basically wiped the floor in terms of having good times. Mm, um, yeah. how, how real was it and how... Um, you know how debilitating or how affecting was it on, on your, your your guys' career, with your career in particular? But you know uh, the guys around you who aren't those sort of top ten. You know, if you're mm. talking about sort of talented surfers who make it on tour and 
they're not getting through the draw as much as they'd want to and, and they're turning to you know turning it into fun yeah uh how damaging is that to to people if they're I not think, ready for it i think you're um you know you already got you got a transition as it is you know from being someone and incentives and and living this life where it's just such a roller coaster um existence you've got such high highs and lows you're off to the next place and you're part of this tour and then so when you come off of that um that's already enough to deal with so if you've got to deal with the other stuff that goes on too and you've been coping with those emotions and the roller coaster through whatever you're trying to substance or whatever you're trying but to what are we up. talking about here hog are we talking i know that every single every single place you go to it's that it's that place is time to party right so so it's a it's a non-stop party circuit but yeah. are the, in your time was it a case of like every single night you're out every yeah. single night you you're drinking heaps of piss, woofing up, doing whatever it is that yeah. was going down? Or is it not that full on? Is it like you, you surf in your heats and you, you let go at the end of the week? Or I'm just curious to know because yeah. it's, it's such a hard thing to get a read on, you know, the reality compared to how it gets sold. Well, I mean, we'll start with it was the Foster's World Tour. Yeah. Okay. So there was the Foster's World Tour. So every comp site's just... At the time, there's free piss free everywhere, right? Yeah. And then you've got the opening night to welcome the athletes to town. And um, so it's like you were saying, Vaughn, it's, it's that town's week to shine, mm. you know, so it's like an endless summer. So you start the event with with a party, yeah. you know, um, and obviously people from the town are excited to have the names in town, so they want to show them a good time. So everything's getting thrown at you. This this entry, that entry, try this, try that, go, go to this place we want to see you here, whatever. Mm. Um, stoked to have you there and then you know whether you get knocked out early or you keep going you know there's always someone from the first round that's ready to go out to the bar and drink mm. with because it's happening on the first day right you lose you know, round two whatever you're losing guys mm. so from early on that week there's people starting to join the, the festivities so um, I think you know it can start pretty early on, on in the event but uh, yeah it's um, you know whether you do shit or whether you went well it was kind of always a good time to to enjoy the town and to to party um so yeah i mean does it is it a hard thing to separate yourself from or does it really get a grip on you know certain people i think it's um it's a hard thing to separate yourself from it just depends on your personality and everyone's different you know like i think for me personally speaking from my experience mm. just my timing around it kind of sucked like there's guys that would go really hard like say mick you know we'd He'd get as pissed as all of us and have a hell time. Eugene would come out, but then his timing, he would know when to stop. And yep. it would be after a contest win or the, uh, his timing was really good, you know, whereas I'd get a little bit jaded and kind of would carry on into the next week or onto the flight going to the next place or, you know what I mean? So I didn't quite have a grip on it um, in that regard. Mm. So for me, it was more of a timing thing. And It's, when a, you it's one of the, one of the, the uh, I've, heard, I've read about this and, and uh, heard about it firsthand from a, a few mates who are, you know, top of their sport athletes and they were saying that they knew how to party and they could party with the best of them but mm. monday morning they'd go to the gym and they'd train all of it out of their system for the next week mm. so it wasn't like just this constant uh oh yeah i'm not really feeling that good today i might just go out tonight because this party's on yeah it's like nah it's just there's the full stop mm. and i've got a i've got a job to yeah. do and then when, once that job was done whether it was done early or, or done late they could they, they they just had the on and off switch. Yeah, the Ben Cousins regime, which was uh, you know 
bend to the recovery session on yeah. Monday and then just run laps until you spew them up. Yeah, exactly. Just run, run. Yeah, the which meth, is not a healthy right way to live. And obviously, Ben Cousins isn't a prime example of a life, you know, that uh, has some sense of self control over it. Mm. Well, you won a few premierships. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah but, but, I mean, it's it's a it's a burn it's a burn hard and burn out. Oh yeah, lifestyle. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was super focused and. Um, I was like the first there and last to leave was my motto. And, you know, it wasn't all messy and bad times, sort of, you know, painting a picture like that. It was super focused. And, um, you know, while still in the event, I found it a lot easier. I won't lie to you. Like mm. once I got knocked out, it was harder for me to stay on track and think, oh, okay, you've got an event next week. That's right. where I struggled. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So if I was to do well and keep going, it definitely helped me through the week. Um, there's no one more focused and psyched and um, dedicated while still in the event, like mm. up early and all the boards dialed and surfing and putting everything into it. Um, it's just that when I got knocked out, I felt that that loss and that that angst of not being in it anymore. Mm. It just hurt me so much. I needed something to fix that. Mm. So I looked for something outside of myself to fix that. It was the competitor in me. It was just like, fuck, I can't handle this. I want to be in it. Wow. That, yeah. that was the hard bit for me. Gotcha. You know? So like going to Tahiti and like I'd be up before anyone. I'd be out there trying all my boards, like just super focused, you know. And I think that's what, when you're going through your mid-20s, you know, you can get away with so much, your, your body and mental state. Um, you can just bounce back pretty easy. I think for me it became a problem when I probably knew within myself that I wasn't making the best choices and I told myself I won't do that again and then I did it. So mentally I started... You start tearing yourself down yes. with uh, shame, yeah, pain, that, that stuff, disappointment you know? and uh, yeah. Yeah, your self-esteem takes a hit and your performance can't... Just can't live up to anything when you hate yourself. Start thinking, yeah. um, you know, if you've done the work, you, you deserve, you feel like you deserve the win and the waves are going to come to you and all that really good stuff. Whereas mm. if you haven't done the work, you start questioning mm. a few things and, and mm. your judgment, you start maybe picking the shit wave because you're, you're panicked or um, just making irrational decisions rather than being it's super calm. It's just changed so much, man. Yeah. I mean, you go to a contest now, you you will <coughs> be lucky to spot a, a top surfer, whether it's at a, at a, a pre you know, a launch party. Yeah. Uh, even the after parties, you don't see them at. Mm. They, they just they, they they're so on their own programs, yeah. and they know what they have to do to even stay on tour. Mm. I mean, um, like you say, um, you know, in your, the early days of your career, you can get away with a lot. Yeah. But I don't think you can now. There's just too much froth. Uh, yeah. those, those elite surfers are just they'll just yeah. rinse you if mm. you've got a weakness. Number two. All right, uh, number two in the life and times, the hog from the rock and roll lifestyle to plain old rock bottom, mate. Like, uh, when did you know it was time to, you know, get a bit of help? Mm. 2006, 2007, um, went into my first rehab joint in Sydney. I would kind of fell off the tour and then um, just heard that, you know, if you do this 28-day program and sort of get your life back on track and... You know, a couple of my family members had said there's places you can go to get help, you know, and, and um, so, yeah, it's like 2006, 2007. But the problem for me was that I went and did that and then uh, I went back on the tour. I got over to Scotland and um, I won the prime. And but was I, Yeah, but I was, I was drinking during that event. So did you get the like, sword? I got the sword. Oh, you're joking. They got the sword. So did I was you, did like, you just hunt out Russell Winter for a fucking <laughs> exactly. mid-street battle outside of fucking <laughs> yeah. <Iowa? laughs> Outside the pub? Exactly. So I kind of like, yeah, I just thought I was going to get straight back on the tour. I hadn't quite got the 
hadn't totally surrendered to what I needed to do for me, you mm. know. So I was sort of still dibbling and dabbling a bit and having won the prime whilst, you know, drinking, I sort of thought, oh, well, I'll be I'll be back on tour and it'll be sweet. But I didn't get another result for that year. So kind of 2008 and nine, I was still, you know, making the choices that weren't really serving me too well. And then uh, 2011, I went, just waved the white flag again and went, look, I need to do, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Mm. Um, I totally surrender. My thinking, my best thinking got me to where I am and, Obviously, it's not working. I just need to be told or listen. Did, did you have yeah. people, you know, tapping you on the shoulder or, or was this just a, a, a realisation that you came to on your own where you were just like, nah, this is... Uh, it came from me. You know, I had yeah. enough people trying to tell me and I think unless you want it, it's like anything, if you don't want enough yourself, you've got, got Buckley's, you know, mm. until you're totally 100% committed and totally surrendered. Um, you just won't listen if, if you're not in that headspace. No, nah, I, I kind of yeah. did it. Like when my dad passed away, I was like, I knew for dad, like he'd he'd want me to be living my best life and be making good choices and and you know, his love for me I kind of used that as a big inspiration when he passed away and I swear that got me through to about 18 months mm. with the sobriety and I felt really good and then I kind of just started back sort of thought I could maybe control drink and you know just sort of do it on my terms but sooner or later it got back to where it was pretty mm. quickly so I found out through that experience I can't do it for someone else. I have to do this for me. Mm. As much as you know, I do this for dad and it, it definitely got me a foundation. Yeah. I needed to do this for me and it wasn't about sponsorship, get back on tour or anything. I mean, I was on the bones of my ass. It was about getting learning to live life without um on a daily basis without having to put something in me. Mm. <laughs> it was like, you know, I was I was in a I was in a hole, I was in a shit spot. What are the keys to your recovery? Like uh, you know, h- how do you manage those those rough patches of the day or the week without booze when you been so used to medicating yourself i guess mate it's like learning how to live again it's just it's a tricky thing i lost heaps of mates that i guess weren't really mates and it's um i guess like anything my passion when i'm doing something i'm doing it so it's just about being mindful of what i'm putting in and for having a balance and you know it just turns into fitness and probably get a bit obsessive in some other areas but um you know as long as i get my head on the pillow each night with not not picking up a drink or a drug i'm doing all right <laughs> i still make shit mistakes and have shockers but it's not because i'm off my head so it's just one day at a time you know not looking too far ahead if i think i can't drink again forever it's too overwhelming mm. it's too oh shit that's scary if i don't drink just for today i, oh, I can probably do that mm. maybe some days it was just for the next hour mm. some days it was the next 10 minutes where just make the next right choice for the next 10 minutes that's, mm. all, that's all i could look at where ne- hour hour by hour and then having a, having a bit of routine too because i think as a surfer uh, my whole life I've never had to the accountability hasn't really been there when you're a young kid as we've spoken earlier getting paid to surf from 13 going on boat trips um, having a paycheck from Rip Curl coming in no matter what training I did I mean it was all about results mm. but I was still getting paid you know so it was like didn't quite have that grasp on bang for buck um, what that looked like so my the reality on earning money and how you earn money was really skewed you know so um, it was just about, I guess, doing it for me and um, for no one else. It wasn't about Rip Curl. It wasn't about getting back on the tour. It mm. wasn't for anything. Mm. It was just, okay, me and um, get my life back on track. So yeah, it's probably the best thing I've done, you know. It's yeah, real life-changing Fucking experience nice. for sure, yeah. yeah. Six, yeah. So that's ah. the most proudest achievement, eh? One of yeah, them. well, you know, it's flowed on to all the good things in my life now. Mm. And no, I didn't get back on the tour, but... You know, it's shown. Never through. say never, mate. This, this, this whole new series. Yeah, I mean, they just 
I guess you know. it, it'll come to you. That's 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 what'll happen. You watch, especially at this age. It's all you just put the the pieces of the puzzle down, and and they'll eventually sort of start falling together. Whatever it looks like, mm. whether it's getting back on tour or, or having a comp win or just representing Narrabeen in those border riders battles yeah. to the full potential. Every single time you give those things a shot, mm. there's nothing in the way. That's it, you know, just wake up fresh and everything's a chance. As long as I just had to work out, like, there's one thing that I can't do and that's drink and drug. That career sucked, mm-hmm. but I can do everything else and anything I put my hand to, um, I'm a chance and I can do better without that in my life. So, Bravo, mate. You know, the, um, the contest win for me is that I can, you know, be a dad to my daughter. It's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the world title. It's because, you know, if I say I'm going to be there at nine, I'm there for her, you know, and she can trust me and I don't think that would be happening if... Um, I was still making the old choices, so yeah, that's no, it's good stuff. Mm-mm. Fucking oath, mate. Congrats, so proud of you. Massive. Number one. Um, all right, number one in the life and times of Nathan Hog Hedge from Maniac Pisshead to peace-loving family man, the resurrection ah. of the hog is complete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the question's a little bit back to front. You can cut the other ones in there. Oh, <laughs> mate, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I guess we just sort of covered that. But, yeah. But the the... I just I want to talk about one event in particular, Smithy. If I may drop in here, no, is there anything there that you wanted to, to dive no, in? No, no, we've touched we, on we, most yeah, of we it. got on that. So number points, one, but... the resurrection. Mm. But the, for me, there was a, a clear view of of uh, you know a more mature you, a guy who owned himself at, at that Tahiti comp, the the, yeah. the big one. Um, yeah. It was probably the most famous big wave event of all time. Uh, that's the one with. Uh, Gabby and Kelly in the final. Yeah, the epic uh, oh, John, John, John. John, maybe. Uh, sorry, Gabby. Gabby, Kelly and Kelly and uh, John. John surfed the the, the, the heat of a, of the century oh, yeah, yeah. in the semis, yeah. and then Gabby ended up taking the win. Gotcha. But I mean, from start to finish, that event is just yeah. more iconic than than just about anything. And you were thick and deep in the draw, yeah. and uh, a memorable ten, mate. A yeah. memorable ten, but also mm. the passion. It almost cost you. Yeah. It did cost you, right? Yeah. Because you, you, Gabby just <laughs> watched you having the time of your life, flying out in the channel, just redeemed and just snuck up your inside like the uh, the little competitive earworm that he is. Yeah, I think looking back on that, um, it was a rising swell that day. So the mm. waves that were coming in, to me, looked like good waves. And I mean, early, early on, he went so far up the point that I said, look, I'm not going to get engaged in this. I'm just going to surf me and Chopu like, come back I had my best performances when I just celebrated me connecting with the wave but you were a man on a mission at that event too right oh yeah that was through the trials and and the whole thing through the trials boom first round um all that whole deal and then um yeah we'd had like a week off and this swell was rising and so the sets started coming in and so they were still good size waves. I mean, the first wave I took off on, I got a nine two three, which is not a shabby score. No, but no, it's all right wave, when it's, it's yeah. West Bowl, just absolute yeah. fucking Niagara Falls on the inside. But the one behind was bigger um, and smoother and more groomed and just a bit thicker. So Gabby kind of, he kept on getting the second wave in the mm. set. So yeah, tactically, he just played the most perfect game where I kind of just wanted to get on the front foot and um, put some pressure on him, mm. um, being the wild card, and he would know that I got the 10 early in the event. So I thought if I can do that to him, he might start to panic a bit. And I knew my connection with the wave, and I'd spent – I'd had heaps more barrels out there than him. So I backed myself, you know. Um, but, yeah, he just – he didn't put a toe wrong 
didn't make one wrong decision that whole event. So to his credit, he just yeah blew everyone away. Mm. How does that wave rate though? In uh, you know, in the in terms of your entire career, because the, the the classic shot of you, you know, like it's in the channel. It's not even in the in the cone zone. <laughs> yeah. It's just like staring up at the sky, mm. like we said, veins exploding, and um, mm. it's just such a beautiful moment, man. It, it really yeah. does feel like you could not be more just on top of exactly where you wanted to be, like just exactly yeah. in that moment. Well, that was, you know, as we'd spoken previously, that was from going from a year in rehab, sitting on the bones of my ass, not knowing if I was even going to get back to surfing or how mm. I was going to just on a day-to-day basis. So to be back in that environment, surfing that wave in that moment, getting the perfect 10 was just like, that was that passion all coming through. There's a celebration of all that hard work and um, – just that all collectively coming together. That was that was what that was about, you know. Um, just crazy. It was just like <laughs> a total. It's just it's sort of hard to put in words. Yeah, it's oh, just like just nuts, if you um, want to script up a movie, that's that's your last scene. Yeah, that's, that's like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just going to make everyone cry, and uh, <laughs> you know you're just going to be sitting there hugging your mates, high fiving. You're yeah. just going to be losing it because everyone in the cinema just chanting hog, 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 <laughs> hog, hog. And I mean, there was there was nothing yeah. handed to me either, like to didn't say I oh, just get back to the trials and stuff. It wasn't like Rip Curl or someone paid for me to go. Nah. Over there. I'm talking like I borrowed. 2500 off my auntie wow to go over i stay with the family over there like use some frequent fly points that i think my uncle had like i'm not talking wow. nothing was handed do you know That's what i mean incredible. then you've got to get through trials with like bruce and freaking um <laughs> anthony walsh bruno and, and, and then can't remember their names right now but the drill a brothers yeah you know Manoa um, and uh here at the time was nuts too yeah um to emoto so Samata. many good. So like, the trials is just its the own. The trials are so yeah. gnarly. Um, Jamie O'Brien. What? Yeah, like all wow. those guys were in the but trials. Even, I think we so, might have spoken for Surfing World before you went over. I think, I think you came did, into the yeah. office one day and you were going, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, and we're like, yeah. Mate, it was yeah. just like, it was like staring at your head when you were 14 <laughs> and you, you just, yeah. like, just had it. You had that look, mate. And I just, what was it like, you know, just the, you know, getting over there on your own ticket and just, being around the surfers and the, and the energy mm. of it, because everyone like oh. you know, it's when it's big and the and the and the earth is shaking when the sets hit. Yeah. Um, everyone's walking around. It's not as cruisy as yeah. it normally is. Everyone's got that kind of like bug eyed, like what are you riding? What are you doing? Yeah, it's a bit. Well, you get hey. the pats on the back, like oh, good to see you, Hoggy. Yeah, what are you yeah. riding, mate? Like what's going? On? <laughs> How was the energy for, for you just to get straight back into it, mm. be amongst these this new generation of um, world champions by yeah. that stage? Uh, Gabby on the way to his first. Was it a different ball game? Did it feel like a completely different world, or, or was it just mm. like, okay, yeah, I know this, I know this zone. I'm going to paddle out and give yeah. give these guys some. I guess I was coming into it having known what I'd been through, and having you know not been on the tour for that much time, mm. and having a bit of a bee in my bonnet that I felt like I could have stayed there, and I probably should have. But mm. being okay in my own skin, knowing who I am now, and being having accepted, I know who I am, and now I've got an opportunity. So I had that energy coming into it. So I don't think anyone wanted it more than me. I can honestly say that. Maybe there was, but I, I didn't feel like there was. I was like, I was there and I deserved to be there. And, you know, I dislocated my shoulder in the final, you know, when I was on the tour. Unfinished like, business Yeah, too, so I was yeah. like, you know what, this is, I've got some unfinished business. I know this wave. I connect with this wave. I love this wave. 
And, um, you know, that's what I was kind of... And having the practice heats through the trials got so much confidence mm. because by the time you start in round one, I've had like seven heats with probably the best guys. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, I'm already riding on a high note. All my boards have been in, in the country for three weeks or whatever. So I was feeling really good in myself. And then I guess getting up early in the dark and going out there, paddling out to the, the green buoy and, and tying a board off at the channel... And having that moment, what that gave me by the time the contest started was over and above anything else I could describe because you're out there on your own and having not have like water security or people around, it really, um, it gives you this extra confidence and um, puts you in a spot with the wave where you really do need to connect and there's no one there's going to save you basically that time of the morning. So by the time, you know, the sun's out and you've got water security and all that, it feels like a bit more of a breeze, mm. you know, um, but yeah, it's fucking scary when there's swells rising and you're sitting in the channel and you know you're the next heat. And there's quite a few times where the person in the heat before me got injured and was mm. off to off the hospital and they're still <laughs> running the contest. It's not like put on hold or nothing. Nah. Still going. So <laughs> no, I saw that they've they've they stopped an NRL game the other night because a guy had a cramp. Mm. <laughs> I was like, Come <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. mate. It's concerning. All the toes back. Yeah, um, they're hectic. <laughs> yeah, so being in the channel and um, with the rising swell when you've got the whole sporting world watching, you know, mm. internet-wise, and you've got all your peers and everyone who you respect and who you want to do well in front of right there, there's nowhere to hide. You know, if you've got priority, and me and you are sitting there and the set comes and I've got priority, you're either going to get exposed or you're going to have to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. No it's, thanks. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. So it's kind of right. like there's, there's nowhere to hide out there. And I think, um, but, you know, just I just brought it back to celebrating the wave and, and, you know, you get either your best wave or your worst wipeout. And so mm. you just take your chances on that. Um, yeah. Well, talk us through the 10. I mean, before we let you go, because it's you just beat the guillotine. Like, it's a heroic yeah. gonads in the throat drop. And, uh, yeah, it's just – it's fucking out of control. It looks like you could have died in that thing. Yeah, I think just the lead up to it um, – Again, it was an Arvo heat and the wind had gone a little bit onshore. So it was, I knew the bigger, thicker ones would cup out and hollow out because once they hit the reef, they're just too thick. They go hollow. And um, I was in a heat with Adriano D'Souza and he already had a six and um, sort of starting to build a heat. And I'd had fuck all yet. So I was starting to sort of, you know, the heat was going on. It was a bit onshore. It was picking up. And um, a couple of big waves came through and I didn't go them. And I sort of felt within myself... Like maybe I could have gone them, and I've yelled across to my brother and Matty Graham and Charlie. Reckon I could have made that one, and they're like, "Yeah," <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, "Fuck!" And I splash oh, the water, and I'm like, "Right, oh, no. so, you know, Yeah, good on <laughs> you, boy. You come over mate. here and have a go, you <laughs> mongrel. Come on. They're like, "Yeah, you could have made it." So I'm like, "Hey, fuck!" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, I was just said to myself at that moment because D'Souza had a six and the heat was almost halfway through, mm. and after the boys give me a bit of stick, I was like, "Right, the next thing, that, the next thing that comes, I'm fuck, I'm, I'm going." You know, so that that thing came, yeah, and it didn't really look like a very nice wave. Not the sort of wave I would have picked in a free surf. Put it that way. Mm, bit of but, foam in it too. Yeah, a bit of foam. But I sort of knew, like, from surfing out there enough, like in the Arvo, seeing some of the guys, the waves they got, how they just cup out and go clean. I knew I wanted a big, thick one, and having not gone those couple of waves was enough for me to give that extra little bit that I needed. So yeah, I just kind of just put my head down and went for it, and um. I just I've done a lot of work on those boards too. I trusted that design and with the quad and these are Xanadus. The Xanadus, yeah, the Xanadus. He was um real shaping sexiest man. Yeah, 
Zena Nudes. Zena Nudes. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that long, but it had the thickness. Heard that right. before. What a what a what a run! <laughs> what an event for you! Yeah. It, was a, it was a full rebirth of the hog, and uh, you know it's been nothing mm-hmm. but uh, good things since in terms of just you know what your reconnection with surfing, like you know yeah. you're just clearly in the zone and loving it, and it's awesome to see. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. Ask us a question, we'll tell you no lie. We're going to throw it to the Swellians now because uh, you, you've got a few, but I'm just looking. It's not just the fact that you've got a heap of questions here. Have a go at the calibre of the people asking here. We got Harry Bryant. He wanted to know about the uh, Namoto to Cloudy story. So you've covered that. Thanks, Has. Yeah, Sheldon Simkus. He's just frothing out on your surf shots, oh, mate. Shelly. He's uh, an absolute legend. Got some fucking huge monstro conage up there at the secret spot off. I some won't sort even of say tube hound. He's a mad dog, mate. Isn't he? TVC, of course. Oh, Wherever the hog is, that. you'll see TVC yes. sniffing around the edges. Exactly. Looking for the froth on your you, Tom. What do you reckon? Uh, Hendo from the Woozle. He uh, also wanted to know about the Nomoto to Cloudy's, mm. Holly Warren, Team Mac. That's Dave Mac and the family. Nice. Mate, so many crew. Uh, but this one, Jacob Fryer, this is a good question. Mm. Is it true that when you were living in Jeringong, you paddled out to second Bommy Jaroa when it was maxing? Or are these just village whispers? True. True story. True. I did How have summer with me. Oh, it's fucking far. <laughs> it's um. Namoto to Cloudy far or? Not quite that far, nah. but it's far. But at least it was daylight. Oh, okay, so that's good. good. Yeah, 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 that's good, man. And I had Maddie Granger with me. Yeah, we were on nine and ten foot boards, so yeah. But yeah, it's a long way out. It's normally only like jet ski and stuff, but um, yeah, it's just this freaking thing out in the middle that uh breaks rarely, and it was no wind, so yeah, we we paddled across there on normal boards. Nine foot boards. Yeah, we've got to cross there. Quick one from Jimmy Nedwich. Fit as fuck, Hog. What's the program he wants to know? Um, Just healthy, clean foods, mate. And I'm just always on the go. You know, I'm into the high performance centre. Not the go they sell at the Howie Mowie, though. Not that go. (laughs) (laughs) Not the go, go. Just, yeah, I guess it just goes hand in hand, making better choices. It sort of flows, you know. I'm more inclined to make better choices for myself. these days so it's just yeah i'm not crazy in the gym i don't have anything too too routine but i definitely look after myself and um yeah i'm, I'm into the gym with the boys mondays and wednesdays and other than that it's lots of yoga and just surf fit mostly mm. you know if i'm surfing a lot i'm feeling good you're on the weights or the desi hasler uh, body weight program i heard he, he just got rid of all <laughs> the heavy shit out of the gym yeah. and everyone just had and just put up a few ropes yeah right you just got to use your own body weight yeah. as, as your uh Johnny Gannon's been in my corner doing some foundation training and some, you know, lots of breath work and oh, stuff yeah, like talk that. Us, yeah, talk to us about that foundation training. It's a pretty mm. uh, new well, it's new just kind of Yeah, it's been good for me to come back from injury because you, you sort of hold your poses. It's static and, um, you know, you start to tremble. You're not actually moving. Mm. It's not so much cardio, but it's just a real core strength-based you just feel really, you get really strong from doing a core strength yeah. for a core Lord, Vaughn. Yeah, yeah the yeah. knee trembler has taken on a whole different meaning now compared mm. to when I was in high school. Mm. Yeah, but anyway. You yeah. hide, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, no, I didn't, thank goodness. Uh, Hambo Estrada, famous uh, New Zealand photographer and a, a handy surfer himself. He wants to know your best Davo story. 
Oh, you, best Davo story. Righto, righto. Did he go on off the yeah, top of your yeah, head? Absolutely. Hell, how <laughs> you say one hell of that? Wait, no, episode one. Righto. <laughs> Endless um, library of Davo. Uh, okay, so Connors is a bit small at Bell, so they moved the Connors down to Joanna. Mm. And Davo's got his uh, Maroon, Holden, Commodore. Got barely any boards. Doesn't turn up with any boards. Sponsored by Aloha, but didn't take any boards down there, <laughs> whatever. So turns up to Bell's. I remember, you know, hanging out with him and staying with him and stuff. And um, we get down to Joanna. And he so happens he's in a heat with Kelly Slater. Mm. And um, 94, right? So this is Kelly in absolute Hollywood prime. Still yeah, has a head full of hair, the whole thing. Oh, yeah, the, whole, the full deal. Mm. So uh, Jimmy Slade, Baywatch days kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think I got invited to come down Rip Curl just to sort of stay and be around the event. Um, Davo got a wild card. And, um, yeah, he's got this titchy surfboard. Remember a little squ- rounded square tail? And um, never surfed before. No tail pad. I had to give him the wax. And there's this little right rip bowl going through, and he's just like, oh, I reckon I'm going to ride this board. He's used to froth on riding brand new boards, um, unridden. He just liked the challenge. He mm. liked he, Davo could pick up a board and just put it on his arm. He'd know yeah. how it was going to go. Yeah, and you're that, up against Slater in 94. You yeah. need another challenge, don't you? <laughs> yeah, like that, that just blew me away yeah. that he could do that. You got Slater in the heat. Um, yeah, you're just going to ride a board you've and, never and he ridden. He walked down with like a Waimu Bay leash too, didn't he? He had some no, mega No, there was no leg leash. Yeah. No <laughs> leash. Well, that's right. Nudes wouldn't let him take it. Yeah, no leash. That's the story oh, that, that Nudes tells. Okay, he yeah, goes right. like, no way you're, you're taking out that You're not using that. Nah. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, the the, uh, the warm-up in the car park um, was an interesting warm-up. Mm. Um, it was a warm-up. And uh, so, yeah, I've just seen Davo pick up this brand new board. Are we talking like uh, warming up the, the head, warming up the lungs, warming up the... Warming up the lungs. <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting the head, a bit of, bit of breathing. Okay, yeah, so we're talking of Tommy Rodonicus or Cheech and Chong here? <laughs> I think we're <laughs> headed more towards uh, Cheech and Chong. From yeah. A little from Colin B. It's different, different um, pre-heat preps and Davo's one was, uh, was a unique recipe. Bit mm. of breath work. Yeah, a bit of breath work. Mm. So anyway, he's gone down there, no leash, brand new board prep. <laughs> Paddled out late, I believe, and just gone out there and just I just watched him um you know annihilate Slater on this little right rip bowl just ah Dave just alley tail rights, out. Wasn't it? Yeah, just just alley rights and just come in and just like just too easy. It just blew me away. It's, it's f- just classic Dave. So famous. Wow. That's you know, Kelly Slater's first ever uh first round loss. With Dave, yeah. Uh, that was against Dave. Just this uh Whacked out wild card and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a board and never ridden. And, oh. and that night, Kelly uh, ended up sleeping in the tracks house. So Matt George was staying with us and right. uh, he he got maggot. Kelly got blind. He had to let off steam. And he's he's probably, you've seen, you've seen just been destroyed by Davo. I'm like, yeah. He's probably taken a leaf out of his notebook. But right? uh, someone mentioned in the in the morning, uh, it, uh, Matt George actually said to us, you know, oh, Kelly's like, yeah, asleep in that back room. He's there. Uh, He's uh, still still out. And I said to Ridgeway, mate, we've got to shave his eyebrows. We've got to. <laughs> and uh, Ridgeway wouldn't let me. He's like, no, nah, you can't disrespect the champ. Yeah. And now yeah. he always says to me, fuck, I just wish I'd let you. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd chance. let you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great uh, yeah, That's a good day, I've got That's plenty more. Yeah. Oh, you, I reckon we'll, that might even just have to get you and Dave out together for a, a, that'd a special be, that'd be classic. a special throw down there if we can ever surf club there live show imagine that. that amazing so he's a good storyteller and um you oh, know Dave when, when he's good story. when he when he's, he's on a best. roll he's probably one of the yeah. most charismatic yeah incredible humans yeah. ever yeah he's got a good heart Dave. it goes the other way as well though uh all right brendan howitt uh again just wants to know about uh, knifing that chopes bomb. So we've covered that. Mm. Um, 
What about got one from oh, uh, Jack, Jackson McIntyre? He wants to know, is Warrywood Hog's Breath Cafe where you lost your virginity in the 90s? I don't know. What? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I can report that's not the, that was not the spot. Um, Narrabeen Island, just across from Woolworths there is uh, the spot. Wow! Yeah, oh. Ikaboo Island. Yeah, love that joint. They paddle, call that paddle your dad's malacross. Didn't they uh, call that Sock Island for a while or Andy's Island? Because that's I where don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that's where all the grommets went to uh, rub it out over there. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, in Co- in Cortesia says here that uh, they surfed lowers at Winky Pop with your once and went one for ones. And that you gave up some of the better ones, top bloke. So just a, a threat, shout out there. Mm. And then another uh, shared session from Stratus Goods Co. says uh, you won the 2000 Lowers QS. Yes. Um, and he says that he paddled up to you and said, man, I haven't seen much coverage of you lately. And I thought you'd stop competing. And you said, nah, mate, I'm back. <laughs> and we both had a laugh and then Hedge paddled in. And uh, that was the big QS. And he just uh, wanted to know whether that was the catalyst for finally making the tour. Yeah, that year uh, in that event too, having a win, um, I think Andy was in the final, Shay and Kilo Andino's dad, Dino Andino. Wow, that's yeah, a fucking yeah, bridge over some generations. Yeah, so he was probably at the end of his career then, but it's still there and mm. haven't been lowers. Um, but yeah, collectively that was my first big win for that year and then I went on to Europe and got a um, two other finals in France and um, in England. So, yeah, definitely that was the year. Um, me and Mick were travelling together and um, I think me winning that first one kind of really sort of inspired him too. And then the next year he was on the tour as well. And, yeah, it was it was a you know, first big QS win, especially at Trestles. Mm. Um, we were, were driving – Crammy used to um, look after Rip Curl then too and Crammy gave us a big Suburban, which was rolling around this black Suburban around Cali. Got the Conest win. Yeah, it was sick. Massive. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Quick one from Liam Carroll. Best goofy foot ever on the northern beaches. Mm. He wants to know who was. Oh, um, oh geez, that's a big question. Mm. It's a fucking fair few of them. Mm. Yeah, there was lots. I mean, <coughs> Tommy. TVC. Little Tommy. Tommy. Got a BL. 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 Duma. Duma. I mean, there's, yeah. Even Kite. Joel. Joel Fitz. Mate, he, uh, yeah. he's he's Joel Fitz, fucking uh, unbelievable. Yeah, from one inch to two hundred foot, he's yeah. he's a standout every time. Barrel riding too, he's just mad yeah, dog. Joey Fitz, Cole Smith, and those guys. What about those early Narrabeen guys, mate? You caught much of them? I definitely looked up to them and got to see a lot of their surfing, but uh, didn't hang out with them too much. Nah, mm. uh, still still a little bit young at that time. Yeah. All right, couple more here, Smith. Uh, Dylan Moffat just says, fucking woof, go the hog. Yeah, Moffie. Uh, lots of love for you here, mate. People obviously, you know, connecting with your passion and uh, some of the great moments that you've shared over the years. Um, all right. I think we've covered that. Just uh, waffling here. One guy just wrote, feral kingdom, discuss. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Chocolate barrels, you were on some epic surf trips, mate. Yeah, we'd had the freaking El Nino happen up in Peru and um, we got flooded in and sleeping on the Pan American Highway under the freaking truck. No, no, the road had, you know, caved mm. away and, um, yeah, we just, it was just nuts times. Yeah, just, oh. just raw. Uh, what about this one? Uh, this is from uh, Sieves 108. 
Uh, as a fucking mad dog with unlimited mongrel, who was the most <laughs> aggressive and unyielding competitor you ever faced in a heat? Oh. We talked about some of your favourite heats and guys yeah. you like to surf against, but it was it's just someone who was just an absolute animal. You just go, oh, fuck, here we go. I'd probably like Knackers, Trent Munro and, and Andy. <laughs> Andy, Mick and Joel. Yeah. Yeah, they're just – and Davo. Davo, Chris Davo. So there's quite a few there, but – those guys, because um, before, like, priority and stuff, before Man Heats, that would come out for sure. Any more there for you, Smith? Uh, Matt McCrory wants to know, how many pro surfers have, have you made cry? Got to be a couple. <laughs> I don't know. D'Souza must have been uh, blubbering after that tan. Yeah, I don't know. Um, hmm. Last one. Go for it. All right. I think this is a really good one, actually. And this is uh, from Straight Up Surf Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, question. Who carries the hogness in the next generation of CT surfers? Who, who in the next question. gen are you looking at going, oh, yeah, I can, I can sense a bit of hog mongrel in this bloke? Mm. Or Sheila, woman, girl. Mm. Who's on the rise who you just love to watch surf, mate? I love watching Ryan Callanan. Mm. You know, um, just the yeah, the flair and the passion. I think he kind of really lifts to the occasion. I think he's got that within him. Um, maybe a little more kind of friendly and humble and quietly spoken around the edges, but when he gets the rashy on, anything can happen. He's got the fire and the passion, and he's got so much um, intent and um, riding on his performance. Mm. You know, he brings so much to it with his family dynamics and off, often on the tour. And I really like his story and I think he can he can go all the way. Hoggy, mate, it has been a pleasure. You're, uh, you, you're a swelling and spirit animal in a very literal sense. And uh, we've loved every second of having you on with us, mate. Stoke, and boy, thank you so much. Me. Continue on the good path, my friend. And I can't yeah. wait to share a few orbs with you. Smithy, look forward up to the that. hog, up the fucking swellings. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. Right on, boys. Thank you. Yes. Smithy. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. 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 You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me. 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 Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You fucking kidding me? Are 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 you fucking kidding me? You're fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me?